theophany, not somebody else's. Your theophany is calling you. I feel that pull. Don't you feel it? Oh my. Well, I don't know about you, but everybody here was in the spirit. They were moving from side to side. They were taking up their space. Some people were taking up more of the pew than usual, but it was wonderful to see. <laughs> God bless you, Brother Marion. I appreciated that. That was wonderful. Amen. Just want to make uh, just a couple of quick announcements, and then we're going to get to the Word. So I'll just ask you to stay there for a moment. Um, I just wanted to mention this last week, on Wednesday, I'd made mention of a brother, Jewel Forney, who had had a stroke and had gone into the hospital. They found a blood clot, and uh, we received this update yesterday. This is from his daughter. Dad is doing extremely well. He is talking completely clear. To myself and the girls, he understands and knows who we are and what, and was like, what happened and how long have I been here? <laughs> if you know Brother Jules, <laughs> he says, that's him. You know, he's back. <laughs> so, at any rate, he said he will go to therapy for two weeks once he leaves the hospital. But overall, he has made a tremendous step in the right direction. We are currently just waiting the results of a few other tests. But we know that he has all the prayers of the saints and that and that he is where he is right now. Thank you all, and God bless. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you, Lord. That's wonderful. Amen. We thank God for that. Hallelujah. We praise the Lord for everything that he's doing. So we're, we're grateful for that. Also, I just wanted to mention last week we had uh, mentioned about uh, the Laval family to keep them in prayer. Sister Miriam's uh, father had passed away. She was able to travel to Germany and to be there with her family. Things are regulated very tightly, very difficult. Uh, as a result, Brother Uwe was not able to go, and he is, he is here. But uh, we want to remember the family in prayer. We want to remember Sister Miriam. And they're only allowing 10 people at the funeral. And so that'll be on April 29th, but we just remember them. And may God bless them and be, may the reality of the resurrection be just ever so, so close to them. I, I, I'll tell you, I really believe we're in that season. I'm, I'm looking for a resurrection to start happening and where we're going to see our loved ones. I, I, I tell you what, there's, there's a pull that, that, that's going not just across the city, but across dimensions. And I, we really feel that. So anyway, we just want to remember them. I also wanted to make mention that uh, we had young people service on Friday. We were able to do a streaming with a number of groups. Thank you to Brother Andrew for arranging that. Brother John had some input and spoke, and Brother Max contributed, and so did all the young people. 
And some of them had plaque cards, and they were yelling and waving amen and, and doing things. And so it was really nice. So we, we thanked them. And I just wanted to say this. Uh, I think one of the brothers I just heard uh, was just sharing a testimony, and he works in healthcare. And uh, he was just had maybe a little something, a cough in his throat. And you know how the devil just kind of starts to think, you know, do I have it? Do I don't have it? You know, the, you know with everything. And he starts playing with the you know, imaginations. The Bible said casting down imaginations. Amen. So he was just feeling that, and you know how the devil starts talking, and he was so encouraged when a couple of brothers reached out to him and just, just gave him a little text, I believe, or a little call, and it just seemed to break that. So I think we just need to make sure we communicate, we fellowship with one another, we encourage one another. I think it's so important. So we want to do that. So we're going to just change the order of the service this morning. It's nice to see the different photos that are, that are up, and, and we can see people. I know some people are shy about, about being seen, but uh, Brother Harold said this years ago, and he says, you know, when we had the conventions, we'd all have name tags, and he says, really, only the proud people don't want to wear name tags. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say, okay? So just, <laughs> we, we, we appreciate everyone. God bless you all, and we're happy to see you. I, I'm reminded, you know, Brother Branham, spoke a message, what is the attraction on the mountain? And uh, he was saying, uh, you know, about as, as they were, had the service there and as the service was going on, and he would talk to all of those that were listening in. And he, he said it this way, we send greetings to the group in Prescott, Arizona that are waiting for the coming of the Lord. And he says, and to those in Tucson that's gathered tonight waiting for the coming of the Lord. And he says, those in Houston waiting for the coming of the Lord. Those that are in, in, on the East Coast in New York and Connecticut. So, you know, streaming's not a new thing. It's, it's always been there. We got, the, we got the video version, whereas they had the audio version. But he would just talk about it that way. So if I could say it this morning, you know, to the Parazoc household that's waiting on the coming of the Lord and to the Hildebrand household that's waiting on the coming of the Lord and to the Wackelchuk household that's waiting on the coming of the Lord and, and the Kessers and the Mandapats and, and the McIntyres and all the others. God bless you this morning. It's waiting for the coming of the Lord. Amen. Let's just sing the song that we have been accustomed to singing Sunday mornings. I think it's, it's a... Gonna be a great day one day. Amen. So, some glad morning. Some glad morning when this life is over. Fly away to a home on God's celestial shore.
Amen. Thank the Lord. While you're still standing, we're going to go directly to the Word at this time, to the book of John, John chapter 1. We're going to pick up a reading starting in verse 35. John chapter 1, verse 35. I'd like you to treat this like a service wherever you're at this morning. If you have kids eating in another room or something happening, let's just now focus together. Let's, uh, we want the Holy Spirit to minister to us this morning. I just had some thoughts on my heart and maybe a bit burdened about some things, but I, I'm going to ask you just to pull together. Let's, let's just treat this like a, a real church service this morning. Let's, let's not treat it as just in a, in, a, in a building or something, but let's take it as a meeting, an encounter with God, if we can do that. John chapter 1, verse 35, again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. So this is John, the forerunner, pointing to the Lamb of God. And two of the disciples heard him speak. So they heard John's message. And the scripture said, and they followed Jesus. They didn't, John brought them to something, but then they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and he saw them following. And he said unto them, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? That's going to be my subject. Where dwellest thou? And he said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and they abode there that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Let's bow our heads this morning. As you're bowed in your place, and you know, we've had all week, we've had different things, but now we just, we want to give ourselves to the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're gathered here this morning in your presence. Father, early this morning, just praying and asking you, Lord, that you would come to every home and every household and every heart. Lord, as you look on the earth today and you see the upheaval and the change and everything that's going on, but Lord, there's one constant in the earth, and that's you, and that's your great Holy Spirit. Father, we want to draw today from the throne of God. Lord, there's not one man. There's, I, I would be the least to be able to say anything, and But, Lord, we're very dependent upon you for our speaking. We're very dependent on you for our hearing. We are so dependent on you for your anointing. Lord, take us now into your hands. Lord, we need you to speak to us. We need you not just to speak to our outer ears, but and not just to affect us emotionally, but, Lord, into the very depths of our soul. We're asking you to make yourself real to us, Lord, real to everyone. And Lord, no matter how far we've walked with you, how far we've gone in our journey, Lord, there's still more of you. 
And Lord, we're desiring, we're, we're moving into rapturing faith, Lord, and we'll need more faith than we've ever had. And we're asking that you'll dull our senses to the things of the world and that you'll tweak them and, and make, make our spiritual sense more acute this morning. Lord, I pray that if we've slumbered, if we've, if we've just been in a little bit of a, a daze or, or, or such, that you'll just, you know, just tweak us this morning and just, Lord, cause something that will bring us a little closer to the realities of Christ. Father, we recognize it's a daily walk. It's not a weekly walk. It's not when we gather at church, but it's a daily walk with you, and that's what we desire to have. Bless everyone, Lord, now as we would just take this service, we commit ourselves all to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats this morning. Brother Branham would talk about this little portion of Scripture. He often would, would say, uh, and he actually spoke a couple of messages on it, and the messages were uh, convinced and concerned. And so he would say when they asked him, Rabbi, where do you live? And he said, come and see. And they stayed with him that night. They stayed with him until they were convinced that he was that Messiah. Now remember, you need to put yourself in the shoes of these disciples. They'd heard a great message. They'd heard a great messenger. They had heard John the Baptist, and, and as they heard the message, they, as great as those meetings were, as great as the, the ministry of John and the oratory of it may have been, yet John had a message that he was pointing to, and two of these disciples caught that message. So in other words, they weren't just following the atmosphere of John and the meetings, but they were catching that John was pointing to something. And I believe if we would really, truly understand the, the, the ministry that's been given to us in this last day, it wasn't just about big healing campaigns, though that, that was necessary. To, to be an attraction, and, and it wasn't just about discerning and understanding, and, and yet that's necessary, and both those things are still necessary. But yet it was about something greater, something not seen, something that was done in a secret place, but yet it was something made very real to the individual. So these two disciples, they caught that. Remember one time, Brother Bannon would talk about how they, that there was, that, that in, in, a, in, in a vision he had and he saw this top of the mountain was cut off and the top of the mountain was cut off and, and light had never shone on this place before. And he told those men that were around him, he said, now look on this, look on this. And he says, just keep looking on it. And he slipped away. And he says, but I watched them, and after a while, one went this way and one went that way. We've been admonished to stay and look on this. So there's a focus that God is bringing us to. The focus is not all the extraneous things, but what's right here. So, so God has brought something to us in this age as he did in that age. Now, they, they sought him, and Brother Branham would say, they stayed with him, and they were convinced he was the Messiah. He said, the trouble is we don't stay long enough. I, I, I would say I actually, I'll, I'll be as honest and as transparent as I can. 
I felt like I just went a few days without really praying and entering in the way I should have. And I just said, Lord, I don't like this. I feel like I need to be close to you. God bless you, Brother Moses. Brother Moses spoke a message last Sunday night. So touched my heart, and it so made me think that I just, Lord, we need to be in a, in a channel of consecration that we need to know there's things that are going to happen. There's things that are going to unfold themselves. But we need to set ourselves in that channel to be prepared for that hour. Don't wait for events to happen. You be the event that happens now. You be the one that's in with Christ now. I, I've reflected. What is moving God in this hour? What is touching his heart in this hour? When, when the world is going, is, 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 he, is he wondering about this? No, the virus, he's already always known that's been there. The economic impact, he's known that's been in there. You know, the heavens and earth, they're shaking. But the real power that's shaking is God and his bride right now. That's the focus of God right now. So he would... You know, I, and I, I just thought, Lord, I, I need to be in a place where I can not just pray, but pray through. Pray where you know you've met him. You know you have comfort. You know you have the answer. And I would say, brother, as Brother Branham would say, in, in, in It Is the Rising of the Sun, I'm afraid today that too many of us are not getting the people to Christ. We're getting them to a church, we're getting them to a theory, but we must get them to Christ. I'll tell you, that's a burden for me. As a parent, that's a burden for me. As a minister, that's a burden for me. And as I'm praying, I'm praying, Lord, reach out to this one and reach out to that one. You know, I'm not saying that you're always living up here, but there ought to be something that's governing your life. There ought to be something that excites you. And as we're coming to the end of the world, the exciting thing is, what's just ahead for the bride? I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry if you're, you weren't expecting this to go this way this morning. I, I was just in meditation and different thoughts, and I just felt the Lord just brought me right to this to start. There's other things I have in my heart. I'm probably not going to get really to the crux of my whole subject today, but stay with me. Let's hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Let's not just hear what Brother Ed is speaking this morning. Let's hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. He's the one that has life. So Brother Wenham would say, we need to be convinced that's the reason our concern has left us. You know, if, if we really listen to that message that day in Calvary, Brother Bam said, if you've ever been to Calvary, you have a desire for lost souls. And I feel like we've become hardened to that a little bit. I'll tell you what, when all this started happening, there was a few different people. There was a man I, 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 I've known, and he called me, and he, he was just talking. And, I, and, you know, he started talking net, net casually, but I realized he didn't call me often. But he was calling me because there was something in his soul. That was, was crying. And, you know, friends, God can still deal with souls. Uh, we're actually looking for him to deal with souls. 
So I, I want to be able to take, and I, I want to be able that we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as he's speaking, not just regarding souls around us, but even within our homes and in our families and, and in, in, in a place where we, we can say, we're, we, you know, we're, we're coming to things where, where, where we're going to really know who we're following, we really need to know that we're not just seated in a church, but we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. Amen. Now, if, if we would just take, a, just to finish the quote, he says, that's the reason we're still so busy in the things of the world. That's the reason we're so unrestful. We're not yet thoroughly convinced. When you're thoroughly convinced, like the old brother said, then you're concerned. Now, I want to just pick up uh, a little part of, I, I was going to read more out of this, but let's, maybe I'll, I'll read some of this. Let's go back to John chapter 1. We're going to just pick this up. In uh, where we left off in, in verse 39, we'll go to verse 40, and this just follows it. And one of the two, now here's the evidence that they were concerned. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, the lesser known. He said, and he first so after he'd been with Jesus, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. This isn't just a prophet. We've got the message. The message is not just words. The message is Christ. Christ is them seals. Christ is what's been unveiled before us. If Christ has been unveiled before us, it ought to excite us. He's here again. And he brought them to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, now, now just catch us. He where did he bring him to? He didn't bring him back to John. He brought him to Jesus. And he said, and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You will be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. I'll tell you what, when you were in that presence, it was so real. Now, I've talked to some brothers just, just recently, and... Uh, and, and just about those that were in the meetings. Friends, that was not just a gift. That was not just Brother Branham. There was an angel of the Lord that was there. There was an angel of the Lord in a supernatural dimension. Let me, let me read this to you. This, I, I came across this the other day, and I, I just thought, oh Lord, you know, how casually, how many times do we miss the Lord? In a service, he is speaking to us, and we just, you know, take it a little too casual. Listen how Brother Branham speaks. Years ago, the Holy Spirit came out here and told you, I would take people by the hand in discernment. You remember that? And he says, remember that years ago? He says, so the discernment was one thing, but the discernment was to activate a faith that you might believe. Now, just, just take it a step. Listen to this. He says, I seen a man. 
I believe it was down here at the other meeting, sitting right here. And the Holy Spirit, he says, I was watching him when I was preaching. He was a crippled man. He had crutches under his arms. And just when I started to make the call, now he's looking in another dimension. Satan came to that man, a black shadow, and I watched it with my own eyes. And he got up and walked out. Now that may have looked like an innocuous event. But now look at this through a prophet's eyes. He got up and he walked out. He'll always be crippled. See? Now, I, I'm, I'm, I don't have a gift like that. But I, if, if that was God revealing himself then... What does he do to us now? And I feel like if there's ever a time we ought to take the word more serious, it's now. He said he'll always be crippled. He could have been healed right there. I, I, I just don't know why. I guess he just listened to the enemy. If you stand and watch those shadows, they come in many forms, the way they are. Watch them, what they do. See, it would be. It would have been. I, I feel like sometimes just to stay a little longer in prayer. Sometimes just to shut something off a little bit and, and, and take a little time and study. Take a little time and go through the Word. And it'll, it'll, it'll keep you somewhere down the road. You're going to need that somewhere. You know, we, we were a few brothers just, were just going in, studying the, the message and knoweth it not, and, and just listening to it. And Brother Branham, you know, it, it, it's such a profound message. He, he comes up there and, you know, he, he comes up and if you ever want to talk about a life being lived or, or a person living in the presence of God, that was Brother Branham. And he comes up to the church and Brother Neville says, you know, Brother Branham's here. Why don't you come and speak for us? And Brother Branham comes up and he greets the people. He says, well, you know, I didn't really have anything, but, you know, since the pastor offered. And, and he says, uh, uh, and he said, let's just turn here to Revelations, you know, 3. And he reads the message to Laodicea in church age. And he just reads it and he says, oh, there was something that struck me there. And, and he takes the words and knoweth it not. And he says, wretched, blind, naked, miserable. And he says, those are terrible, but to not know it. And he said, that's the spirit on the age. Now you can say, that's Laodicea. Thank you, I'm in the bride. You know what? That's the spirit that's around us. We, we, listen, if they're blinded, we need to be enlightened. We need to know it for what it is. Not just to say, oh, that's them out there, that's them out there, and just put it off. We need to realize that affects us. It builds a crust on us. We need to know and understand things as they really are. I, I'm, I'm surprised. You know, a, a brother was sharing with me. He's got a church in another place, and he said he's been getting calls. They're able to have a little measure of services still where they're at. And, and he said he's getting calls and people dropping in because their church is canceled. They're coming into their church. And he says they're coming in, and they're starting to catch something. And he says more than the people that sometimes attach, attend regularly. And, and there's a concern. And, and you know, I, I, I thank God for that. But now, you know, as, as you hear things, and they're talking about when we're going to kickstart again, and now I, I'm watching this, and it's almost like, okay, let's go back to the way things are. 
You know, I heard that more Bibles were sold in the last month than were sold in the last three years. Now, if, if it takes a, a world crisis to do that, and it has to be a world crisis that will keep that, it's not really God doing it. Because God will, will, it'll endure. If God's doing it, they'll stay with it. They'll go with it. And I'll say, I, I, I got to be careful. I don't get ahead of myself this morning. But I, 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 I just, where does he dwell? We're not able to go to church. Oh, uh, you know, does that give me a reason to backslide? No, he's closer than you think you are. He's that much closer. Now, I, I'm going to just stop the reading in John chapter 1 because I'm going to pick it up. But I'm going to invite you to go over to the book of Acts chapter 17. And uh, I, I need to just pick this up. Brother Branham would talk, and, you know, he's talking to the Laodicean church age. I didn't read this scripture last Sunday, but, you know, Jesus, when after the resurrection in Luke chapter 24, he starts walking with his disciples, and he begins expounding the scriptures concerning himself, you know, and, and their hearts start to burn and finally, he has to rebuke them. Oh, fools and slow of heart. And I, I said, Lord, how many times have I been slow? How many times have I not really caught the measure in which you're trying to speak to me? And I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's like a relationship. You can have a, a wonderful relationship with your husband, your wife, but you've got to work at it. You, you can't just take it for granted. You know what? You know this and this. That. You've actually got to take time and input to it. It's the same with the Lord. You've got to take time Amen. where you make yourself available for him to speak to you. Amen. Okay, so in, 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 in Acts chapter 17, and this is Paul. He's come to a city here. And I, I, I've always, this is always, I don't know why certain scriptures just do something to me. If you read from verses 16 to 21, and I'm not going to read from it, but Paul comes to Athens and his spirit is stirred in within him when he sees the city fully given to idolatry. So Paul was living in a different place than the, the city was. So when he came into it, it, it was like, whoa, I didn't expect this. I think we need to live in that kind of a place. Not that we're conditioned by all of the news, by all of the video clips, by all those things, but we live in this place where he dwells, where it's him and me. And that's when you'll have a sharpness. That's when you'll discern things and see things for what they are. And friends, I'm, I'm doing this morning because we need to step higher. We need to go further than we've been going. He would, he would say this, and his spirit was stirred within him. And then the philosophers came unto him and, and say, Who are you? You're talking about some strange God and, and things. I'm, not, I'm just surmising here. Now these people, in the last verse 21 there, they were Athenians and strangers. They took all of their time. All of their time was spent in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Hmm. That sounds familiar. <laughs> oh, did you see this, what I got? Let me send it to him. Let me send it to them. And, and we just become a collector or a transmitter of information, but it re really never sinks in. 
I, I once in a while like to shut it all off. I, 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 I'm, hey, I, I'm as guilty as anyone. We've become so attached to our devices, but once in a while I like to shut it off. And I say, Lord, I'm here. Lord, I need you to speak to me. So now Paul stands up in verse 22, and he begins to talk to them, and he tells them they're suspicious. Let's go to verse 23. For I passed by, and I beheld your devotions, and I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So, in other words, he doesn't dwell. Where does he dwell? He doesn't dwell in this tabernacle. He doesn't dwell in some other church. He doesn't dwell in some, 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 you know, where Brother Branham was back in Jeffersonville. That's not where he really dwells. Yes, he came there geographically, but where's his dwelling place today? Where is the message today? Where is it? Is it just in these books and, 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 and digital files we have now? Or where does he really dwell? Where is the place of his rest? So he says he doesn't dwell in these things. Verse 25, he said, Neither is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he giveth anything. See, he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And he's made one blood of all the nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. He's determined their bounds, oh, sorry, their, their, their appointed times and the bounds of their habitation. And, and he goes down to verse 27. And I, I've, always, I've always loved this. The Lord is not an isolationist. He doesn't self-isolate. Okay? He doesn't need to do it. <laughs> In fact, it's the very heart of God to want to have communion, to have fellowship. Elohim, the lonely God, back then he desired communion, fellowship. That's why he became Jehovah, the one who exists with family. That's why he became the Lord God. That's Jehovah. That's why he came in Jesus. And when Jesus was manifesting that expression and declaration of God, the very final thing he said, Oh Lord, I will but one thing, that, I may, that they may be with me. I wish, and that's still the heart of God. That's why he went down the road to Emmaus with them. After the resurrection, he wanted to reveal himself to them. He wanted to show himself to them. That's why in the message, Christ the mystery, why do you hunger, thirst? Why do you thirst for him? Because it's the Father trying to get this message to you. But we let so many things take it out of us. We let our job and if your job's been taken away, thank God for that for just a few moments. But that you can have time with him. I'm, not, I'm just saying God's going to take care of us. I know he will. We let our wife or our husband or our children or our pastor, he even says. God wants a relationship with every one of us. So Paul says he's not very far from every one of us. So wherever you are this morning, in your home, he's not very far. He's right there. He says, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, uh, 
for we also are his offspring. For as much as then we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. For he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man which he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he raised them from the dead. If we believe Jesus died for us, I think Brother Max touched on this on Wednesday, if we believe he died for us and that he went to the grave and that he arose again, if, if that was the eternal God, then as he went into heaven, before he could enter into holy places not made with hands, before he could ever send down the Holy Spirit, he would have had to been accepted up there. In other words, he would have had to been accepted. And the book of Hebrews really gets into this. It's not, not where we're going, but, you know, and, and, and Paul's talking about the tabernacle. He would have had to been accepted up there in order for that spirit to come back down. There's a law, there's, a, there's, there's all of these things. It's not, not really the focus of my subject this morning, but the eternal God... The, not, 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 you know, Brother Bannon would talk about eternal sonship. There is no such thing as eternal sonship. Elohim, self-existing one, began to express himself. And, and way back then, before there was ever a speck of stardust, he thought of a bride. He thought of a people. And right now, that has not changed. In the midst of this world, his heart is still on his people. Friends, I, I don't know if you can catch it, but I, I'll tell you what. We are living in a cocoon. We are living with God. We are, we are wrapped in him. Seize that opportunity. There's a world gripped by fear that doesn't know what's coming or going. Neither do I. But all I know is he is here. And because he is here, I'm safe in his arms. You know, I, I don't know if any of you have had a chance to see it. Brother Biscoll has had a series of recent testimonies. They're, if you haven't seen them, they're, they're really good to see. It just done recently. There's a series of five already, and they're telling of some of his accounts. But I was just watching the fifth one the other day, and he's talking about the soldier boy and how he was a part. But he made a, he made a really interesting spin. He said, just think, the eternal God knew that boy. The eternal God knew that Brother Ed would be in that meeting. The eternal God knew that they would drive down the road 300 miles and meet that same boy. The eternal God knew that 37 years later, they would find a picture of that boy in Florida, and that eternal God connected all of those things together. Now, he is here. The same one that saw that shadow leave, leave that man. Well, it wasn't Brother Branham. That was the eternal God. That was the Son of Man being made manifest. That was not just a gift. That was the eternal God. That's who came down in this day. It isn't, if, if you could, if we could catch that, it's not a preacher. It's God that came down. Oh, he is here. 
I say, Lord, don't let me be like Laodicea. Let me catch and know and see where we're at. Like a great symphony. I don't know about you, but I feel the beat of the music is changing. I don't feel it's the same as it was two months ago. I don't believe we're going to walk into the same places. But I believe that God is changing our walk to fit the beat of the music. And we need to walk with it. I'm speaking out of a bit of a burden in my heart. I feel I need to do it. I feel we all need to do it. Brother Branham would speak. Okay, I need to slow down for a moment here. Let's go to Matthew chapter 13. How many love the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. Nice to see you all this morning. <laughs> I, I've seen some of you. You've all pointed at me and sent me comments about, about the virus that's broken out on my face. And I've seen some of you. And I've seen that it's, it's more predominant than you think. You know, in the old days they'd say, uh, I think in the western days they'd say, guy would come into town after being out in the dusty trail, and he'd walk in, hot shave and a bath, please. Well, thank goodness there's still bathtubs. <laughs> if the shaving hasn't happened, the bathtub is still there. <laughs> and all the sisters said, amen, dwelling with their husbands. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, that was just a commercial, sorry. Matthew chapter 13, let's go to verse 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing, see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing you shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their heart, ears are, are dull, dull of hearing, and their eyes have been closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted that I should heal them. Now verse 15 is amazing to me because there's a process here. He says, people's hearts are waxed cold. You know the Ephesian church age, they fell. You know what did they fall from? They had everything. They, they were the perfect church, the model church. They, they had everything. They had the full, uh, the full power of Pentecost, all the reality of everything. But what happened is they left their first love. They thought more of how, what other people thought of them than what God thought of them. They left their first love. Now, we are not ordained to that manner, but we are ordained to pick up what they left off and continue all the way into a first love relationship. So now let's, let's just take this. He says, their ears are dull, their eyes have been closed, less than any time they should see or hear and understand. Now you talk about you can hear the message all day long, but that doesn't qualify you to understand. There's a process that God can do. No matter how much I try, no matter how knowledgeable or revelated I might get, or, or Brother Harold or anybody, we cannot teach the message. 
We can convey the passion with which we believe. We can do all of these things. But there's a work that only God can do. No matter the home you're in, the parents you're under, no matter that you've listened all this time, only God can quicken to your heart the reality of what this is all about. I'm asking you to think this morning. What have I received? Because I guarantee you, friends, we have not yet arrived to where we need to arrive. And the kingdom of God, we need to press into it. Doesn't mean it's just going to come to you and God's going to put it. No, you need to show yourself approved. You need to be there. Show God that you mean business. Brother, why are you, why are you preaching like this? It looks like, you know, other two months we'll be back in church or whatever. This is a time and a season. Don't pass it by. Don't pass it by. I'm saying this out of a burden of my heart this morning. He, lest they should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. It would be wonderful to have a physical healing, but I want a soul healing. I want to be sealed in with him. I don't, I don't want, I, I prayed this morning and I said, Lord, I don't want to just ask you for an anointing, but I want to ask you to come. I want you to speak. Brother Branham, in the end, he would take in what house will you build me? He said, the spirit has to pack the message. I'll say this, it's not packed by men who, who in their intellect, but it has to be the Holy Ghost in men. And it has to be received in men. Are, are you with me this morning? Amen. God bless you. So let's just jump over. John chapter 8, verse 42. John chapter 8, just going to use a couple scriptures here for a moment. I, I really, I, I had something I was getting to that I really want to get to, but I felt the Lord just stopped me to stop, and we need to approach this sincerely. And if this is just the precursor to what he may still want to drop in, maybe the ground that's become hardened needs to be softened. And I say, take this admonition this morning. Don't hear Brother Ed. Hear what the Spirit is saying this morning. John chapter 8, we're going to pick up verse 42. Oh, I love it when Brother Moses, I remember this, when it was, it was two years ago, we had Brother Moses speak on Wednesday night, and he took John chapter 8, verse 42 to 44, and he spoke on, uh, I think, the spirit of truth. And then we had a visiting minister come in on Sunday, and, and the visiting minister picks up John, verse 8, 40, 42, 42 to 44, same scriptures, and he says, the father of lies. And they bookended each other. And I said, oh, God, that's you. That's you in our midst. I thank God that, that he's alive. He's a real God. And he wants to make himself real to us. So verse 42, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? He says, even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he abode not in the truth. Now listen, he abode not in the truth. He didn't dwell in truth. He used it partially. He didn't stay there. He didn't stay long enough. But in him was that devil up there who was at the right hand of God. Just a little bit of pride. Just a little bit of iniquity. And it led him to become the devil. My friends, 
We need as much as Jesus was a vessel on earth that came in flesh and he was as meek as a lamb. The characteristics of a lamb identified with a heavenly bird called a dove. And the, the, only the dove could descend on the lamb. And we need to have the nature, the humility of Christ and say, Lord, I know nothing as I ought to know. But Lord, you make it real to me. I'm preaching like I don't know anything this morning. But I say, oh God, just make your word real to me. And he says, he abode not in the truth. And because there was no truth in him, when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, Brother Bannon would pick this up in the church age book. And he would talk about this. And he says, it's evident from these scriptures. This is in the Sumerian church age. It's evident from these scriptures that no man of himself can hear of God. That ability has to be given him of God. Putting these verses together, we see there's one group of people. And, and a very special group who are able to hear what the Spirit says in each age. It is a special group that receives the revelation. That group is of God because the group that cannot hear is not of God. Now it so struck me a couple of weeks ago here where I was reading it. The messenger for the age speaks to both vines. The false and the true. So the, the false catches something, but they cannot effectively carry the message. They don't have the humility. They don't abide in it, but they use it for their own means. They use it for their own gain. They hear with intellectual things, but they don't humble themselves to say, Oh God, let the message and me become one. I don't, friends, wherever you are this morning, I just pray God, and, and listen, this is not the... Service that may bring the rapture. There used to be a time I thought, oh, this message and God would so give it to you. This, surely this will be the message that will push everybody into the rapture. No, this may not be the one. God will do that. God will take care of it. But I say this with all that's in me this morning. Let this become more real than it's ever become before. Forget about everything out there. Let this be. This is, this is the apple of God's eye. This is where he's looking this morning. My, oh, my, how's the time getting away from me? Brother Adam would say, the group that can and does hear what the Spirit is saying receives the revelation. They are ones who have the Spirit of God. They're born of God. They're baptized into the body. They're baptized with the Holy Ghost. Now that's what we all need. And if you, if you need the Holy Ghost, I'll tell you what, just wait on God. He's faithful to give it to you. You don't have it to say, Lord, and you become desperate. And you become desperate. Now, I need to just move on. I've even gotten off page one. And I, I just... My, oh, my, oh, my. Let me just take, let me just take this just for a moment. I want to just, two more things, and I'm going to get into something. Brother Branham would talk this to his own tabernacle in 1964, recognizing your day and his message. The Gentiles are called out. The bride is ready. Listen to these statements. This is a prophet. The same one who spoke and knoweth it not. He said some you know, I, I, did, I, I jumped off that thought for a moment, but in knoweth it not, he just speaks those few words, and then the Spirit just catches that man. And he speaks some of the most profound prophetic words. And he talks about there'll come a time when people will think they see ants that are like so many stories high and birds with wings. I'll tell you what, that's where this world is headed. And you talk about, he says... But there'll come a time, some of you young people, 
I, we, we did this, the calculation the other day. I was five years old when this message was being preached. Some of you young children, <laughs> I was a young child at that time. You'll come to see, you'll see these things begin to come to pass. It's happening. It's happening. Now, let me just take this. 1964, the Gentiles are called out. The bride is ready. The rapture is at hand. Can we realize that? Can we actually believe it? Is it a story that has been told? Is it a myth to us? Now, this is almost like a rebuke, like Jesus, oh, fools and slow of heart. Is it something that sounds real? Is it something that we outside can believe? Or is it something that's a part of us that's more than life to us? What attitude do we set in this morning, in this tabernacle? Remember, it'll be a small group that receives it. Now, I'm going to ask, I came across this video the other day, and I want to ask, I want to ask, Brother Dan, if you can just put that up. This is done by a, a man who is a, he's a denominational man, and he points back to a previous revival, and he brings some statements right to where we're at today. Uh, I, I want to just have you listen to this because there's, there's, there's really two classes of people in the world. There's Jews and there's Gentiles, but there's groups out of those there is the natural Jew and there's a spiritual Jew. There is also a nominal church and there's the bride. And I will say the nominal church is being moved by one thing, but the bride is being moved by something else. Now, this is about five minutes long. I'd like you to listen to this. There was a great revival in the Hebrides in the early 1900s. Began to move, moved up to the pleading for it into the 40s. Maybe we could say it topped out in the early 50s. Two old women, one was 84 years old and one was 82 years old. One was blind and one was humped over so badly with Spines to notice, just, just arched over. But they had passion for revival. They wanted God to work. This is, this is what happened. They couldn't even get out to the church to pray. They couldn't even get out to the church to worship. Their house became a place to meet. People came in. They got so passionate about revival coming to the, their aisle, the Isle of Lewis. They got so passionate about it. They confronted the preacher and wanted to know if he was thoroughly right with God. <laughs> Hallelujah. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And they'd seen the Lord, they said, with the church filled up and God blessing and a great overflow. And the fire of God struck that tiny little obscure place off the coast of Scotland. And when it happened, there was a young teenage boy that got saved in it. His name was Donald, and the preacher became so dependent upon Donald and so close to Donald, he would ask him to lead in public prayers and help him with the meetings, and he did. Oh, how God worked. People began to hear about it, and the revival fire spread. It spread. And God blessed in a, in a great way. Those two old women, the people 
kind to people. People don't want in their church anymore. And from that same island, there was a, a young girl who was a cousin to Donald Smith who immigrated to America. Her name was Marianne Smith McLeod. She came to America and in 1936. She met a man named Fred. And they were married. They fell in love. They were married. God blessed in a great way. And those old women were her aunts. And they came out of that fiery revival. That fiery revival. They really experienced revival. And they sent a Bible copy of the Word of God that had been used in a special way in that revival to Marianne. She started having children. I think it was 1937, she had her first child. They named him after his father, Fred. Then she had her second child named after herself, Marianne. Then she had her third child, Elizabeth. Then she had her fourth child, she was so impacted by this teenage boy God had used in that revival of the Hebrides. She named him Donald. And she gave him that Bible, that Hebrides revival Bible. He was born in 1946. He's now the 45th president of the United States. And that revival Bible is in the Oval Office. I'm saying to you, I don't know how, why, I don't know how it all comes together. But I, but I believe God is putting some things together to give us just a window, just a window. If he, if he could find some open people who know what the wind is for. Can this be the time the wind is open? Providentially, God has prepared the moment and we will become the people of prayer, pleading with God. This is a plea. Will thou not revive us again? Will you, will you, will you be a part of that? Will you? if you could understand that if you want I'll be glad to send that to you but this man relates to a time when there was two old women that were praying for a revival in Wales they came to the church and they asked the minister if he was right with God <laughs> and he said because we want a real revival and God sent a revival and out of that came people that traveled over there was a woman that got married to another woman out of that that bible that came that was a central part of the revival went with them to america they had a child by the name of donald who became the president and now you're getting people that are looking at it and they're saying oh that bible is in the oval office now listen i'm i, I need to share this i believe god's using donald trump as a tool but I don't see a lot of integrity. I don't see a lot of heartfelt Christianity, but he's a tool. And he's doing it even for Israel, and he's doing it for different things. But what you're seeing, and now I, I had this clip come out a, about a couple of weeks back where you had a senator 
come up at a prayer breakfast, and he began confessing the, prayer, the sins of the nation, and he talked about abortions, and he talked about things they've allowed and things that they're doing, and that's why they're in the state they're in today. Now, I need to just share this. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's a small window of opportunity. This is a brother who shared, I thought it was a really good comment. He's a minister friend, and he said, perhaps this is a little window of opportunity for the foolish virgins before they're slept, swept into the tribulation. He said, whatever it may be, we pray that God would be merciful. I believe Noah was merciful until the day he was, mercy was in his hand. But he says, we also as a bride need to awaken from the dreamy intellectual faith to a living faith that lives and acts and moves in power. God has put a Bible in our hands too. Not a closed book, but an open book. It may not be in the White House, but it's in your house. And that Bible needs to take a life. Where does he dwell? He dwells in a people that can take that life. He said, let the word be used in revival. May we be not a people that is merely named after revival, but we are the revival. Now, I, you see that this is affecting people. And I pray God would use it. But I'm also reminded of what the prophet said. And he would say, in 1964, the same message, what attitude are we setting in? Recognizing your day and its message. What time is it, brother? What time is it, minister? Do you see the time of day and the sign you're living under? Can you understand it? I, I, I would beckon you. Listen to the burden of the prophet as he's ministering this. Everywhere now there's no revival. People are complaining. And he says there's a church, and it's a church in Louisiana that was a church of brother and sister Moore. There, there's a very fine paper, one of the finest paper, the Herald of His Coming. They hardly print anything, but they say fast pray, fast pray, sound a trumpet. He said fast pray, we're going to have a great breaking of the day. There's a great thing that's going to happen, all of you. Pray, 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 we're not too late yet. Now the prophet just comes. It's almost heartbreaking to think this. He comes and he said, and he looks at her and he says, why do they do that? They want a great awakening. They're crying, believing there'll be awakening. They're good people. Why is it? What have they done? They have not recognized the awakening of the bride. Oh, who's being woke? Friends, seven thunders would utter their voices to awake a people. What are those thunders? What was the seal that, that loosed that to us? What is God speaking to us? Say, oh, Brother Ed, I've been serving God for so many years. You know, I've done this. I've waited. I've seen this. I've seen this. It doesn't matter what I've seen. It is more imminent and real than ever before. And he would say this, by being Christian... They feel the pull of the hour, but they haven't recognized what's been done. They know that something's making them feel that way. They know it's supposed to happen. They're looking for it way off in the future to come when it's already happened right by you. Now, 
I don't know how many times I could go on the message and I could pull out quotes, and I'm not going to read them all because I, I need to stay with what the Lord has done, but Brother Branham would say, he was speaking, and he's talking about the sign that Abraham received, and he says, that was a sign of discernment as a royal seed, but he says this, proving his word, thus saith the Lord, you are receiving your last sign. He said, that's according to the scriptures and the revelation of God that's in my heart that speaks this is the truth. You know, you know he, would, he would talk about how Israel was moved into place. National force moved Israel into their place. National force is moving the, the nominal church into the world council of churches. But then he takes the bride and he says in a different way. This is all under recognizing your day in this message. He says the power of God will put the bride into the rapture. So it's not a force on the outside that's doing it. It's got to be an inward recognition of what we have received. It's not just something that's out there. It's not something that's afar off. But it's here. It's in the message of the hour. It's, it's, uh, I, if, if I could say, don't look for something to come to you that's way out there. Or don't look for some pressure to cause you to pray more. But I'd say right now you've been given an opportunity. Why don't you let it take a hold of you? Put yourself in a place. I'm assuming as every one of you. It's easy just to relax. Oh, don't have the pressures of work, you know. I'll just look at this documentary. I'll look at this and, you know, we'll just do this. And that's all very good. But is that really redeeming the time? And it doesn't mean you stick your head into the message 24 hours. But I'll say this. Let it be a part of you. Let it be a part of your thought process. I, I'm going to, I need to just, I had so many more things I need to say. But I, I need to take this maybe just in a couple of different levels here. Brother Bannon would talk about, in Pick Up Your Pen, there's a harmony that's to exist between the bride and, 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 the, the, bride and the bridegroom. Let me, let, me, let me take a couple of scriptures I'm going to come to here in a moment. I, I need to just go back. What house will you build me? Listen to the title of the message. And he would say, I believe it's our duty to worship and come to a place where, and make this a place where God can reveal to us the things he has to reveal. And his word said, the message doesn't come through the giving of inspiration. He says, uh, as it does to some of us, but I'm here to back up what God has given. So now, I know each one of you, if you feel like I do, this is in 1965, I'm so hungry to see the Spirit of God moving. I can't hardly stand it. I don't know, I don't know about you, but, but I, I shared this clip with a few people, and it was about this angelic choir that was singing. Every time I listen to it, it just says, there's a part of me that just so identifies with that. And I say, oh, God, just let that be. And he says, oh, Brother Branham says, and yet, here we are. 
We are drying. We sit in the desert. I watch the feeling of the Spirit. And he says, we begin to recline. We get away from it. It's become too natural for us. We must worship in the Spirit. The message should be the flame of the hour. It should be the flame of our hearts. Otherwise, we can't rightly present it to the people. Now, let me just take this in a channel here. Let's go to Revelations chapter 14. Revelations 14. I'm going to take this into just, just a little different channel for a moment. I've skipped a whole bunch of things, but I feel like I just need to stay with this. And when I say that, it's not you're missing anything. God's giving you exactly what we need today. Revelations 14, verse 1. Not a scripture referred to. I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their forehead. So now we're talking about Israel. And I heard a voice from heaven as it was the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne. Have you ever heard that anywhere before in the book of Revelations? Under Revelations 5, under the opening of the seal, there was a group of people that received something that they began to sing a song. It was a new song. It wasn't a song that was sung before. It was moving in a different channel. Now listen, sometimes we preach a message and we preach it, do this and do this and don't do that. That needs to be preached today. This is on a different level. You need to think this morning. You know, the Bible's full of different books. Some are the laws, the Leviticus. Some are poetry. Some are personal experiences. This is in this channel. Stay with me on this channel. So I, I need to hear about what's going to happen and, you know, when the earthquake strikes and what's going to happen to Rome. And, no, those are all part of it, but this is a different channel. Stay with me on this this morning. And he says, And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders... Now listen to this, this next verse. And no man could learn that song. In other words, this was not going to be imitated. This was not going to be learned. Now you say, Brother Ed, what are you telling us, teaching us about songs that can't be learned? I know all about that. Don't worry. He's saying, he's saying, and this was what no man could learn that song, but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. In other words, this song came from the inside. It didn't come from the outside, but it came from within. It was something they had gone through, something they'd experienced, something that came out of them. I so appreciate the musicians and the music we have here. I can listen to denominational songs, and they're nice, they're good. But I'll tell you what, when I hear a believer sing a song, and I see them worship, there is something that comes from another place. And I think we need to worship in that place. <laughs> and he said they couldn't sing that song. Jump over to Revelations 15. <sighs> And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, and they stood on the sea of glass having the harps of God. Now this is going into the vials and the plagues. In verse 3, and they sing the song of Moses the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, 
And Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways, thou King of saints. Now who could sing that song? Was it, it was a different kind of song. I, I remember in is it Psalms, Psalms 137, when Israel was in Babylon, they sat down by the river, and they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I'll tell you what. These, this group of people... They could sing a song because they'd gotten a victory over something. They had come through something. Now they had gone through something, and here's, it's also identified in chapter 15. There's a group here that had already been, they'd had the victory over the image, over the mark of the beast, over all of these things, and they could sing a song. And they sang the song of Moses. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 15, if you will. Exodus chapter 15, verse 1. Exodus 15, verse 1. This is after Israel crossed the Red Sea. Let's just go back to, Danny, just go back up to chapter 14, verse 31. No, verse 30, sorry. Thus saith the Lord, thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord, and they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Verse chapter 15. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord. I'll tell you what, there's nothing like a good song service. Nothing like a revival meeting. When Miriam got the tambourine and she's singing and she's dancing and she's shouting, I'll tell you what, that was a true jubilee. Not everybody was true that was there, but it was a true jubilee. They knew what just had happened. They knew what God had just done. And because they knew what was done, they could sing a song. It came out from them. And he said, for he has triumphed glorious. The horse and the rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him a habitation. Look at this song. Friends, we, we don't just sing songs since I saw my name in the book. That's a wonderful song. You know, you know, the, the songs we sing that, that are so prevalent to what we believe and everything. But until it becomes so real and personal. And I'm not just talking about the song we sing in church here. But it's the song that's in your heart when you go to bed. It's the song when you wake up in the morning. It's your prayer life. It's a melody with God. There's a harmony that's happening there. That's the place. That's where he dwells. He comes to this tabernacle, but you bring him here. You bring him to your living room. You bring him to your places. That is the place that the message really is. He says, my father's God, I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Now, I brought those in just to say it this way. Now, if that happened to the foolish virgin and that happened to a people that had a victory, what happened in Revelations chapter 5? When the lamb loosed the seals and, he, and Brother Branham would call it the most sublime moment, what was loosed to me 
What was loose to you? It's not just a doctrine that we can go to some great message handbook. Yeah, we believe such. What does it personally do to you? Because it's no longer just Calvary and identifying in his death. It's no longer just having the gifts of the Spirit, but it's, it's also having him dwell in you. What is the seals? What is, it's the revelation of Christ to you personally. You see what happened under the first horse rider. You see how he jumped on the next one. You see how they all move forward. You see what happened to the souls under the altar. You see the disruption of nature. But you also need to see at the center of all of this is Christ and me in the middle of this calamity. And he has his hand on me. He is the wheel in the middle of the wheel. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Zechariah, chapter 2. Zechariah, chapter 2. Verse 7. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwellest with the daughter of Babylon. Zion refers to the bride. Deliver thyself, O Zion, that dwells with the daughter of Babylon. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that touches you touches the apple of my eye. Now, you've heard what the newspapers are saying. You heard them talk about you know, the economic fallout. You've heard him talk about how many deaths. You've heard him talk about this and talk about that. You hear what the nations, the leaders of the nations are saying. You hear all of the programs they're doing to support the people. But I'm going to ask you a question. What is the radio report in heaven saying? What is God looking down on? What is, what is he seeing in the midst of all of this? What has been on his heart since the foundation of the world? What is he looking for? A people that he could inhabit. You go back to the book of Exodus, I think it's chapter 8. He tells him, prepare all of these things, all these things. And the last part of it was, that, I may, that they may be a sanctuary. What is he really looking for? I believe Brother Branham spoke a message in Spirit of Truth, and he says... You go way up there on the Alaska Highway, you go up north, and there's all these places. There's not people, there's nothing. He said, oh, it's beautiful. He says, that's where God goes to rest from all the troubles that we give him. We don't think that God needs rest, but think about the Holy Spirit as a dove, as it's searching the earth today, and it's looking, it's searching, and it's wanting to inhabit something. It, it, one day it could find a temple when Jesus stood in a river with the prophet, with John the Baptist, and, and he came down and he found that temple and he found that habitation. That was that day. That was the revealing of the Son of Man in that day. But the revealing of the Son of Man in this day, it, it, it's not, wasn't just in Brother Branham, but it's, Brother Branham would say in, in, in Easter Sea or in, in Rising of the Sun, who is this Son of Man? The Word... 
The Word, the Word isn't just a book and a letter. The Word made flesh again. The Word in a bride again. The two working in harmony, singing the song, the symphony that, that, that God has prepared and, and that He's so working and, and so moving. And, and we are walking in harmony with that. I, I, I trust you can feel the burden of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want you to stay here. He doesn't want you to be caught up with the Babylon, with the daughter of Babylon. Listen, he says this. He says as he goes on, for thus saith the Lord in verse 8, for the, the glory that he has sent me unto the nations which spoil you. He that toucheth you touches the apple of my eye. Behold, I will shake mine hand upon them, and they shall be a spoil to their servants, and that you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for lo, I come, and I will dwell in the midst of thee, saith the Lord. That's got to happen. That's got to happen in us. I say, oh God, you can dwell here. You're welcome here. I, 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 wish, I wish we could just be together right now. I, 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 I probably have other things that I really need to bring this to, to really button it up, but I told you I wasn't going to finish today. But I'm going to wind my thoughts down here. You know, Brother Brandon would talk a little bit about the symphony, and, and he would talk about how, you know, we're, you know, it's just... There's, there's churches, you know, he would just talk about how there's a beat of the music that we've got to work in harmony with and that we've got to understand. And he would say this, not in that message, but he says, and he being the groom, the bride has to come forth because she's a part of him. It can only be the manifestation of the filling of all the revelations of any others that spoke of a bride. I think it's in a message... Uh, Sweareth, sweareth not, or whatever it is. But he says that original blood cell that God created, when that Roman spear went through, it punctured that original cell. And when it punctured that, it released that which was in him. And what was in him at that point when he went was the bride that was part of him. It began to effectively release her. And it would come through an anointing through every age. He anointed a part of the word to every age to every age. But it became the bride. And in this last day, he reserved a part. I, I don't know about you, but I, I look at, I'm not a part of what's happening out there. I can't be. I don't identify with it. But this is so real. This is more than life to me. This is my song. This is the place I love to dwell. This is, the, this is why I like to get up early in the morning and go downstairs and just find a place. This is why I like to go for a walk sometimes. This is why I like to put my headphones on at night and listen to the message. This is why I love him. It's not just that I'm some fanatic. I'm a part of him. And if he is grieved, then I'm grieved. And if he has a burden, I have a burden. And if he's showering his love on me, I'm rejoicing in that love. You know, if we could recognize, when we pray, our prayers, you know, they, they climb up, they come up before God. And we think, oh, I hope he hears my prayer. And we, we kind of view it a little bit sometimes as, you know, we have a prayer, it gets up there. 
really hear it. Okay, maybe he just puts it on the shelf for a while. But if our prayer can be like it was in the book of Romans, where we know not to pray as we ought, the Bible would say, I think it's in Romans chapter 8, I'll just read it because I'll miss it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. We know not we, we should pray as we ought. So you get in prayer, and, and yeah, there's things you desire naturally, but as you lay yourself down, as you humble yourself, and then you take as the Lord, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. And then you begin to insert yourself into that, and somewhere the Spirit begins to take over your prayer. Who's praying? It's not you. It's the heavenly Father in you. What is he doing? He's counting on our prayers to fulfill his work. And you find yourself going into channels you never thought. He says, the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It's no longer you praying, but it's God and the bride connected. Oh my, I have a whole other thought on this, and I'm not going to go into it, but I just, if you can take the admonition this morning, I, 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 I just, listen, this is not what I intended when I made my notes the other day or yesterday or even, but I just kept coming back and I had to stop here and I had to stop here. Friends, how can we truly let the word become real to us? How can we recognize we are the apple of his eye? We have his favor. If we harmonize ourselves and we put ourselves in sync with him, oh, you know, they're, they're, then, then, you know, he, the bride, she walks with him. She talks with him. She's, she's, she's moving in harmony. It's the safest place you can be. You know, let, the, let, let everything happen around us, but oh, in this place. Listen, let's have the musicians come. I, I really felt like I've only delivered half my heart today, but that's okay. I, I just, I'll, I'll save it, but you know, I, I want you this, this just to, to think, Lord, and, and, if, and if maybe you need to go, maybe you need to go somewhere aside, maybe it's a walk, maybe it's somewhere else, maybe where you're at. Let's, let's stand together. We're all going to stand together. You know, if God has spoke to you, I, I, I tell you what, it behooves us sometimes not just to look at the words and share quotes, but to hear the voice and the urgency in the prophet's voice sometimes. He would, he would just begin to talk and, and, and he, he shared this in in the message desperation, and he would just, he said, and I, I, I just heard this, and, and, it, and I just said, oh God. He says, you can't be desperate until God speaks to you. Oh church, rise and shake yourself. Pinch your conscience. Wake yourself up in this hour. We must be desperate or perish. There is something coming forth from the Lord. I know it. It's thus saith the Lord. There's coming something forth. We better get desperate. It's between life and death. It'll pass through us and we won't see it. I heard that and I go, oh God, 
How often have I taken it casually? Now, listen, I'm not trying to throw you into a place where you're, you're, you're emotional, you're doing this. But I say desperation can be a determination. Desperation can be, okay, Lord, I, I, I need to take a step closer. I need to, I need to go this way. It, listen, it happened in Jesus' life. It happened in Brother Branham's life. It happens in our lives if we really want to move to it. And it's not so much that, well, if I fast, I pray, I do. No, I'm just talking about let him capture you and take you over. Just as you play something softly, sister. I, I, I want this morning, we're going to just sing a chorus or two. And, and I, I, I just want you to listen. Brother Marion, if you'd come, please. I want to just sing a couple of choruses. And, you know, I want you to think about what we have with him. Where does he dwell today? Where, where does the Holy Spirit have a place he can come to? You know, it, it's not just in this tabernacle. It, it's not in some other tabernacle or some other. The churches aren't there right now. It, it's not even in Jeffersonville. But it, where does he really dwell? He's got to dwell somewhere. In the holy place. There's parts of this that I, I, I could share. Why don't we sing, He hideth my soul. He hideth my soul. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. A wonderful Savior to 